It's the Messiah Community Radio Talk Show. This is Michael James Lauren, your host. And a very interesting topic we have, one that a lot of Christians need to know about. It's called Discipleship and Mentoring. And uh, our special guest is Dr. Keith Anderson. He's the uh, the president, actually, of the Seattle School of Theology and Psychology. And he's got a great book. Now, this uh, book is called Reading Your Life Story, An Invitation to Spiritual Mentoring. Welcome to the program. Thank you, Michael. Very glad to be with you. Yeah. I mean, okay, so we have all the programs that we need in the church, and uh, you know, people are attending and, and enjoying the worship. And then all of a sudden we go home, we realize, wait a minute, I don't think I'm... I don't think I'm getting mentored by anybody. And this is such a great topic. Uh, tell me uh, your inspiration for writing the book. Well, um, I, I think the reason that I have written this book is to, uh, frankly, to try to find a way to tell the story of what other people have given me. Uh, I co-published a book almost 20 years ago on spiritual mentoring. It's time to kind of reflect back on that. That's part of it. But uh, at, at this point in my life, as I am looking uh, back to people, I am fully aware of how many people have come alongside me and uh, have uh, challenged me, confronted me, comforted, taught me um, in all kinds of ways. Some uh, people who have helped me move forward in my faith and whose own fierce faith, I think, has uh, has been a great inspiration to me. So. Um, I also am somebody who believes uh, very deeply that this idea of reading your life story is uh, it's a it's a I think a pretty good metaphor for what scripture is, because for me, scripture is the unfolding story of what God is doing. And where is God doing that except in uh, in time and space, in our lives, in very ordinary and sometimes in extraordinary ways, too, uh, but I, I also am concerned, if I can put it that way. I'm concerned mm-hmm. about the shallowness of the faith in a lot of the church in North America. Spiritual mentoring is one of the ways we go deep. I was going to say, you hit the nail on the head right there. That's exactly where I wanted to go, because um, that's what resonated with me with your book, is that uh, you know it's really, really, as you say, going deep, a reliance on the Holy Spirit and pouring our lives out into another human being and really having the sensitivity to listen, to go deep into the person, uh, finding out uh, what their life is really all about. And so uh, even though we mean well as Christians, to take the time to really pour yourself into another person, uh, I'm sure that grieves you only because of you know the wonderful effect that it had in your life. Absolutely right. Uh, there have been people who, starting when I, uh, probably before college, but it became most clear to me in college, and there have been those people who have uh, shown up at very important points along the way and who uh, who have helped me to see um, connections, to, uh, to uh, understand where my life has moved from and where it's heading, and I think those are uh, those are some of the things that good mentors do for us. The the other thing about mentoring that I find to be most profound is that uh, it's not particularly difficult, it's not particularly complex, but it takes some discipline uh, to be able to do it well. And I've had some of those who have uh, been able to uh, to help in that way. Uh, 
But it really is as simple as sacred companionship. It's walking mm-hmm. alongside other people, um, either intentionally or not, uh, or more casually, I suppose. Uh, but my hope is that we learn to do it better by practicing some of the skills that are part of the process. Yeah, so you're saying that it's more than just getting people to show up at the church. Then we have to do something else. And you know, is this is this the pastor's responsibility? Do you think, or what, how does this work? <laughs> um, I want to say, of course, it's the pastor's responsibility, but it is also the responsibility of the uh, uh, of the whole priesthood of believers. Uh, it does not belong just to uh, any one person in a congregation. Uh, because our relationships are uh, very active um, at work, in our families, uh, in our recreational lives, in other service things that we're doing, in all kinds of ways that, uh, uh, if we're fortunate, our pastor may be part of that process and is uh, coming alongside in that way. But more often, I think it's somebody who is um, uh, somebody whose voice is very familiar to us. Uh, it may be a neighbor, it may be a coworker, uh, it may be someone uh, uh, that we seek out, uh, it may be someone who seeks us out. Um, it is not simply the role of uh, clergy, and it doesn't require ordination and seminary education as much as I believe in, uh, in those things. Uh, it is the work, I think, of all of us in the church for each other, with each other. Yeah, and when you look at the secular, you look at how important mentoring is there and coaching, and and you can't do it alone. But somehow, I don't know, you know, in, in the Christian life, we kind of go lone wolf sometimes where we show up and take part in certain activities, but uh, we need to grow. And uh, the, if we were like these athletes that placed a premium on having uh, mentors and coaches, and where would we be? How would things be different? Well, let me say this. You're on to something very important, and I think that is that in uh, in much of the church in North America, uh, certainly in evangelicalism, we have tended to believe that uh, so much of our spiritual formation, our faith development is a uh, an individual, almost a private kind of thing that I've got to work on. Uh, it is something that I do uh, in quiet times and in the discipline of reading scripture, studying, um, perhaps with others, but more often than not alone. And I think that's part of the challenge um, for the church. It's something that I think we all need to to recognize from scripture, especially that uh, we don't come to faith alone. We aren't formed in faith alone. Almost all of the uh, biblical material in the New Testament was written to communities of faith. It wasn't written to individuals, but to a whole congregation together so that they would hear it together and uh, grow together. And part of that work, uh, I think you can see that in the way mission was set up early, Paul and Timothy, Paul and Barnabas, Jesus sending people out in pairs. It wasn't just individuals. It was people together in this sacred work of companionship. Um, it's interesting. The uh, One of the terms for this kind of work 
from uh, Irish spirituality is called Anamkara, and it means soul friends. Uh, hmm. So a common, ordinary, something as common and ordinary as friendship becomes an important way that God uh, comes alongside us, helps us to grow. Yeah, you mentioned that, that it's a guide, that people are a guide, and, and it's a friendship. And so, now, I'm not trying to gang up on the church, because we all want to see the church, you know, bring the Lord uh, glory. But, um, you know, how does this whole thing work? I mean, when it comes to the power of the church, and we all want to see awakenings and, and revivals, uh, does it start? Do you think it would change if more people mentored each other and uh, took the time to pour their life into another person? Do you see it that way? Yes, I do. Uh, I am convinced that this is part of a very important movement uh, from the spirit in the church. Uh, it's not it's not new. It's not something that is just happening. Uh, uh, breaking news. This is uh, this is coming out in the last uh, in the last few years. It's 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 been around for a very long time. I think it goes back to um, to biblical times. Uh, but I do think that it is an important movement that is, um, I think it's taking hold in some important ways in people's lives, uh, precisely because there is a need. There's a hunger for it. Uh, people begin to recognize that um, uh, I may be more familiar with the uh, sports team that people in my world care about than I am with the uh, condition of their soul. Uh, and that's simply because I don't ask those questions or people don't ask me those questions. Um, we tend to talk about things that are sometimes trivial or easy. Um, and I think this movement that I believe is, a, is uh, afoot by the Holy Spirit is, uh, is a great need in the church right now. Um, I agree. And doing life together, I mean, that's how Jesus did it. He invested in the disciples and people, and it's it's all doing life together. Uh, Elijah or, the, you know, the school of theology, Elisha, you know, yes. uh, all investing in other people. And, um, you know, it's hard to get people today even to, you know, Sunday Bible study uh, before the main sermon because you have to do life together. I have to admit, though. When it comes to that crockpot lunch, that we're there, you know, we're, we're it's okay, it's a, it's a start, okay. But getting people to do life together, why is that so hard? Um, we we live in a culture of individualism, for one thing. I think that's uh, that's part of it. Uh, uh, we sometimes tend to kind of hunker down in our own families and uh, in, uh, in narrower circles. Uh, and some of it is that uh, we settle, uh, perhaps in the yes. church, uh, uh, in specific ways, but uh, we often settle uh, for trivial conversations that don't require some kind of investment or commitment uh, in each other. Uh, when mentoring has been most profound in my life, it's been either because someone has sought me out, tapped me on the shoulder, uh, as one person did at one time, and uh, this was a faculty member who simply said to me, you need to come and see me. Uh, and I went to see him, and I thought I was in trouble. Yeah. Um, and instead, he simply wanted to begin to talk and ask me questions that moved us into a place where uh, three and a half years later, we had met almost every week for that whole period of time. Um, 
it's happened for me with um, uh, my friend Jim, very close friend, uh, with whom I had breakfast together for 12 years when I was um, uh, in uh, the Midwest in a school. Um, and in that time, we began to move deeper and deeper into more important questions for each other. Now, that doesn't mean that the questions aren't about uh, the ordinary things about our relationships, our children, uh, our jobs, uh, our health, all of those things. Uh, but it does, it does take a little bit of a courageous step sometimes to move out of the most common and, uh, I seem to be stuck on that word trivial, but the sometimes trivial things that we talk about. Um, I find that there are many people who are hungering for this. Um, and if we can connect people together that way, um, wonderful things can happen from it. Yeah. And when you talk about the seminaries, you know, I'm sure you can tell the difference between someone who before entering seminary, someone took the time to pour into that person's life. And I'm sure it made a difference than the person who just dove into seminary. Not that, you know, you can lose either way, but how much more can a person get that's being mentored instead of just enrolled in seminary? Well, um, in our work at the Seattle School, one of the things we are absolutely convinced about is that uh, pastoral leaders, counselors, uh, other leaders can only take people as far as they've gone themselves. And so um, too much of education allows uh, teaching to be abstract, um, simply uh, academic or only um uh, what I would want to say is abstract, uh, uh, and it needs to become personal. It needs to become part of my story. And so for me, working with the concept of reading your life story has been a way that I've said, if I understand uh, other people's lives as story, I become curious. I'm interested in uh, the movement of events in their life. Uh, it's not that I'm nosy, it's that I like to read stories. Um, there's an old Jewish statement that said that God created people because God loves stories. And I think that's what we find in biblical teaching. It is God's interest in people, uh, God's concern for us. But I think God is very, uh, I think God enjoys um Probably the humor of some of the mistakes we make, some of the things that we do that are kind of goofy or off track. Uh, but I think it is that God is deeply interested in us. Um, and if we can find that kind of curiosity about each other, then we begin to ask deeper and better questions of each other. Uh, and I think that's a very important part of mentoring as a skill. Uh, some people come by it naturally, um, but it's also one of those things that we can develop and learn. I agree. I, I think maybe we get confused that it's about telling people what to do somehow, but it's not that way at all. You mentioned that in your book, that it's really about just listening and being there and uh, listening deeply as the Holy Spirit leads, as you would say. And uh, I guess it's easy to just tell someone what to do, but it's hard to really listen, isn't it? Well, I, I think I, I think the threat uh, to good mentoring is uh, uh, when I begin to take over uh, instead of 
remaining in that posture of listening. Um, I am very intentional in my own work and mentoring with other people that uh, for me, there's always a third empty chair in the room where it reminds me of the presence of the spirit and that I'm not only listening to uh, to that person and the unfolding of their story together. We're listening to what the spirit might be saying through that conversation. And I've had remarkable moments when I have asked questions because I believed I was I, I was hearing something. I was tuning into the spirit in uh, in the unfolding of the story. And I've seen people who have said, how did you know that? Uh, where did that come from? Uh, and I didn't know. Um, but I was tuned into the spirit in a way that the questions naturally uh, began to bring out something of great importance for people. Uh, and I love those moments when it's clear Absolutely. that uh, something that I had nothing to do with, I was just there, I was the one that asked a question, and I could see it in the face of that person that it was resonating with what they themselves were, were hearing, uh, but hadn't heard or seen before uh, in their own experience of their life. Yes. Because what we talk about in mentoring is the details of their life. I'm not there to uh, teach or to take over. I'm there to listen with them uh, to read their life story. That's right. Dr. Anderson, you know, uh, how come we're afraid to talk about this? I mean, this is a gift that uh, the Holy Spirit has given me as well as the gift of discernment and talking to people and just uh, the Holy Spirit revealing things and people, of course, affirming and confirming. Uh, it's a blessing. It's it's wonderful to talk about and to you know be a Christian, uh, having the help of the Holy Spirit to aid in ministering and encouraging. And this is something that everyone should be talking about. I agree. Uh and I also agree that uh, that I think part of what has happened is we've made a number of things. For some of us, um, spirituality seems to be something other than what I do tomorrow on Friday morning at work. Um, so um, it must require special training, or I must uh, I, I must be a pastor, or I, my own father. Here's here's a, a great example of this. My my father was a businessman. Uh, his uh, his parents came from Sweden. He was first generation American born. Uh, became part of a, a business on the south side of Chicago with his best friend, another Swedish immigrant son. Um, later in my father's life, so he and uh, Mr. Osberg spent 40 years uh, owning and running a company in the printing business uh, on the near south side of Chicago. As he got to near the end of his life, I remember a conversation uh, where he was he was actually tearful about it. And he said, I feel like my life has been wasted. And I said, what in the world are you talking about? Why? And he said, well, I wasn't a pastor and I wasn't a missionary. I was just a businessman. And so for him, spirituality was somehow different than what he did in the honorable work that he did in caring for about uh, 45 to 50 families. Um, and I have to tell you, if that isn't uh, God honoring, I don't know what else would be. So for some of us, it's that kind of separation. Spirituality is different than 
than being an honorable man, running a good business, making good decisions that care for people in their lives. Um, I think for others of us, um, uh, we have come to um, uh, kind of doubt the presence of the Holy Spirit. Um, I had someone, a pastor from a church in Seattle a couple of years ago, said to me, you know, it, it's interesting because you and I both know that God is really no longer, um, that God, God isn't alive any longer. It's just us and what we do in the life of the church. And I was just blown away by that because it was yeah. this, this sense of here's this view of God that uh, uh, the classic view of deism, that God created the world, started the world, kind of wound it up like the clockmaker, and now God is gone and it's only us. Um, I don't buy that for a minute. Um and the way that I think about spiritual mentoring is that it is God as author co-writing our story. We get to be in on that process with God because God is, in fact, still uh, present in, in presence and voice. Uh, and we need to learn how to listen and to pay attention to that. Uh, for, for others, it's it's kind of hard work at times. It's, it's as if I'm in a hurry to get something done. Um, I need to, uh, I need to do something that isn't slow. Uh, spiritual mentoring, um, has always been, um, kind of slow work. It, it's not something that happens usually very quickly. It's conversational. It's, it takes place over time. Um, at its best, it takes place over time because it's, training me for a new way of paying attention uh, to what's happening uh, in, again, in the most ordinary things in my life. Some of us are in too much of a hurry uh, for that to happen. That's a great point. I mean, again, when you, when you see Jesus and he's discipling and mentoring, uh, can you explain really, if you could see that in the church, what would that look like if more people acted like Jesus and invested time. I mean, give us give us a glimpse of the growth that you would see. Well, um, it, it, I want to say on the one hand, it, it is happening. Um, there are um, it, it may not be on the uh, on the screen in front of the church Sunday after Sunday. It may not be on the radar of a lot of leaders in the church at times. But there are many, many people who are meeting with other people, having coffee um, or tea or something and in conversation. Um, and um, they may not call it spiritual mentoring. They certainly probably don't call it spiritual direction, kind of the older term for that uh, that kind of work. But I think what it would what it would look like in the church, first of all, is more and more people slowing down to have conversations um, as I've had with other people. Um, my first uh, my first spiritual director, if you will, uh, was assigned to me at a conference and uh, she lived in another city. Uh, our conversations took place by phone. Um, almost all the time, and her questions were as simple as could be. What was the high of the week? What was the low of the week? And how are you doing on the disciplines that you committed to? 
It was that simple. Another of my friends, maybe the best uh, spiritual mentor I know, when he sits down with people, he just simply asks the question, what came into the room with you? (laughs) That makes me stop and think and begin to, to wonder, what have I missed because of my the pace of my life, my busyness. Um, I have a daughter who has two soon-to-be teenage kids. Oh, my goodness. Uh, they'll both be teenagers in the next short while. Um, she doesn't have time to go on uh, long, leisurely retreats, but she does have bits of time during the day, and she has a good circle of friends with whom she is able to talk to about some of these things. Um, that's what I think it would look like. Um, yes. The church kind of busy, if you will, with lots of people finding ways to uh, to talk together, maybe at a Starbucks, maybe at each other's homes, uh, maybe on a commute uh, with somebody else, um, but just intentionally finding ways to begin to ask each other questions that um, that take us deeper. Um, and we won't go deep if we don't ask each other good questions. Yes, and I'm on a chapter here of your book or a section that I want to focus on. It goes right with what you're saying. It says, greater forces are at work. And it says, the greater forces of the movements of God's spirit, the author of our stories in our lives, spiritual mentoring is not the inventive individual work of the mentor, pastor, teacher, or friend who tries to make something happen in the life of another. It is instead the work of reading what the author is already writing in the days and nights of the mentee. And so, as you say, you know, for the people who are mature believers, I, I'd like to give them that credit, who are the, the mentors or the people who invest in, in discipleship. They know that that slow work that you're talking about is really knowing that greater forces are the movements of God's spirit in that person's life. And somehow, um, when we, I'll, I'll use your words, get into the trivial matters, we miss the greater forces of God's spirit at work. Well, in those words, uh, that phrase of greater forces are at work came from a novelist who was writing the story of a barber in a town in, uh, in Kentucky. Uh, didn't come out of a, uh, uh, you know, a, a kind of a spiritual document of any kind. It was a story that was being told. Uh, about this man whose name is Jaber Crow. The author is Wendell Berry. And Wendell Berry is someone who understands uh, this notion of greater forces at work in our world uh, because he's a story writer. And he knows how to write stories because he has read stories. And for me, that that's the other thing that I want to say that takes us back to your question, what does that look like in the church? It means that we learn to listen to Scripture not as a series of disconnected kind of teachings, but as an unfolding of God's greater story, because God is the greater force that's at work in the world around us, in the story of gospel and our story together and in my own story. So part of it is learning how to listen well to to biblical teachings, but not as disconnected episodes um, but rather an unfolding of God's movement um, 
in our time in history, in our lives, uh, in our nation. And uh, we all certainly are aware that we need that at this point. Yes. And Dr. Anderson, I want to ask you a question because uh, really when it comes to, how can I say this? You know, you talk about mentoring as an act of conviction that there is the presence and blessing animating our world. You say that Christian spirituality has always been built on the understanding that we start with the I am of God, not the I am or self. Uh, what are certain areas you talk about also like wisdom education? You begin with Proverbs or Ecclesiastes. Uh, where can we turn to in the Bible that really kind of talks a lot about uh, mentoring? Well, um, I, I'm, I'm kind of... Um, Stumbling I threw a curve at you, didn't I? <laughs> well, it, it, no, because I'll give you a little time. We'll edit that out. Is, Don't worry about that. <laughs> no, what, what I want to say is uh, start at Genesis one one, uh, because what happens there is the beginning of God speaking. The greater force is the voice of God speaking creation into being, and it never stops. And so there is. Um, there is a an invitation in my way of talking about it. There's an invitation in Genesis 1-1 to listen to that voice of God in the universe, in the creation of the universe. And then you move on in all of the stories that we're familiar with of the so-called great saints of the church, all of whom are finite, flawed, and, fa- and failed human beings, mm-hmm. uh, like all of us. Uh, and mentoring is all of the ways that people are called to listen, helped to listen, and you can certainly find it in um, in Jesus' way of um, building up the disciples. Um, you don't find Jesus spending a lot of time one-on-one with them. You find him gathering them together in groups. You find him teaching them and sending them out. Uh, in pairs, uh, I think in part because Jesus understands that need for us to have sacred companions who are with us. So those to me are some of the great examples of that. Uh, Paul and Timothy, as we've already talked about, Paul and Barnabas, there's, there's a great deal of that. Um, but there is, uh, biblical scholarship will, will tell us if we, uh, if we use it well, uh, as I said earlier, that all of Paul's letters, essentially, except for Philemon, uh, seems to be all of Paul's letters were written to communities of people for them to listen to together. Um, I think we tend to get individualistic and say, well, that's a text for me alone instead. No, it's it's for yes. community. And so I need to look around to see who's in that community with me. Um the early church, uh, I think, also began to understand ways of listening to Scripture as story, reading it as more than principles. And that may be the thing that has, has maybe hurt us the most, is that we uh, it's as if it's a, a series of principles that I memorize, but it's not part of how I live. It's not part of my relationships with uh, my, uh, my wife or my children or my grandchildren or my coworkers. Uh, when in fact, if we listen more carefully, it is God's story being lived out in our lives in some very, very important ways if we can learn to pay attention. 
It's for me, yes, and biblical spirituality to, is that. It's learning to pay attention to the presence of God. Exactly, and people have to feel that they have something to offer another person in their growth. And uh, I guess many times maybe we don't feel that we have something to offer another individual or taking the time to, to mentor or, or uh, you know, using discipleship in the same breath. So let's just look at two different things here. One, what would it look like, okay, if the pastors got more involved with the congregation as far as uh, taking your book, understanding the importance of mentoring, all right, and then if you had to speak directly to Christians, and what kind of directive would you send them out to uh, to be able to meet people where they are and pay attention to the Holy Spirit in the lives uh, of another Christian. That's a lot to take, but run with it if you would. <laughs> well, um, let me tell you a story. Uh, I was with a um, working in a college, uh, and it was and geographically interesting. There was a, a little bit of a hill between the college and the seminary. Uh, not very far apart, but I was taking a, a nationally known speaker who had spoken in our college chapel, and I was walking him over to meet with a group of pastors. Uh, and I asked him, uh, it's actually Stuart Briscoe, and I said, Stuart, how, how do you prepare to speak to a group of leaders, pastors from the Twin Cities in Minnesota? How do you prepare to speak to them when you don't know any of them? And he looked at me and he said, that's easy, Keith. I always speak to their hearts because pastors are the ones who are most in need of someone paying attention to their heart. It was a profound moment for me. Uh, at that moment, I was a campus pastor. I had come out of parish ministry before that. Uh, and I knew the meaning of his words. Uh, it's one thing for us to get up, to preach, to teach, to lead, to be the one whose voice is always being heard when, in fact, um, many of us in those kind of leadership roles know uh, that we are in serious need of somebody coming alongside us um, so that our heart is engaged and not just our leadership skills and our mind. So one of the ways that I think it would uh uh, it would impact the church is if uh, is if more of our pastors were involved in their own mentoring, uh, being mentored by someone else. Um, so that would be a, a place to start. It could be a program in the church, but I, I'm I'm a little suspicious of some of those um, artificially built programs. It would for me it would be more like helping people find ways to um, um, to gather together, to get together, to, to hear about what mentoring has meant in other people's lives, and then to see who is hungering for it. I really like the, what you're saying, and I like the fact that, um, you know, more community. It seems that it can get a little top-heavy, you know, the church, and correct me if I'm wrong, where, you know, that one figure that may be very char charismatic, the pastor, but it seems like there should be many, many, many more pastors who are pulling people aside and taking an interest in the lives of before that person goes back to the parking lot. Hey, I, you know, tell me, can I pray for you? Uh, tell me a little bit about your life. And, and we watch that one figure, you know, and we learn. And by God's grace, you know, God has given us pastors. But it seems that it should be a much more of a team 
community uh, where people are really reaching out. I think it takes that, doesn't it? Someone to reach out to the life of someone in the congregation or else they're just going to walk in their car and have brunch and go home. It does take that. Um, one of my friends uh, was the CEO of a, an internationally known corporation, uh, very successful, uh, uh, late 50s, probably uh, he was probably 57, uh, so still very young, uh, had the sense of calling from God that uh, he needed to retire and find a way to invest his life in younger leaders. Uh, so he announced to his board that he was going to do that. The board immediately went into panic mode because they were afraid that people on Wall Street were going to believe that something seriously was wrong with the corporation. There was scandal someplace. And in the end, they just announced that this was somebody who wanted to retire um, early because he wanted to work on his faith. And what Lou does Every week is he, I, I don't know how many right now, uh, but he meets with people who are uh, leaders in the business world because he knows how to speak their language, and he does this work of spiritual mentoring with them. Uh, I was with a friend of mine yesterday. Uh, he's recuperating from a, a surgery that he had, so he's kind of um, – off the off the grid for a little while right now, uh, and he meets with about uh, I, I think it's twelve or fourteen uh, young men in a mentoring role, uh, and that came in his church because he asked the pastor, as I understand it, one Sunday if he could get up and just uh, say. Uh, this is what I do. I'm interested to know if anyone is interested in having some time to talk about some of these things. And he has had a, uh, a very steady stream of, of, in this case, younger men who are looking for someone. Uh, and Mike is uh, 64, 65. Um, he's the one who initiated that in his church. It didn't come from the pastor or the leadership. It didn't come from a program. It, come, it came from him simply standing up and saying, here's what I do. Is anybody interested in uh, meeting with me to talk about this and learn about it? Uh, he's done this for the last 14 or 15 years. Remarkable. Well, Dr. Anderson, your whole life has really been revolved around mentorship. Obviously, it had such an impact on you, and a lot of your books are about mentorship and discipleship. And so... Um, do you find that there are other people as passionate about you? They, you talk about this? Or are you surprised that it's a subject that um, that people are a little cold on? Um, no, I find that most people are uh, – I keep coming back to that word, too. Most people are hungry for it. Um, uh, we, we don't often enough uh, have people who are um, – Trained to listen well, for one thing. Uh, trained to ask really good questions well. And then are patient enough to sit with us as we poke around in our story. Uh, one of my very good friends and a good mentor was somebody, his question was always direct. It's, uh, uh, what's happening in your soul? And it was kind of an abrupt way of doing it. And, uh, it was a little bit jarring, but I also knew what he wanted us to talk about. Um, 
There's an African question that I talk about in the book just as, as one of the great questions that I've heard in my life, uh, where people ask each other, are you at peace? Try and answer that one in a hurry. Uh, you know, it's if you do it with any kind of integrity, you can't do it quickly. Um, it's as simple as that. And it's as yeah. complex I'm as I'm on a that. section right here of your book. It says the care of the soul has always involved four primary elements. One is healing. They're restoring to health from impairment. Two, sustaining, helping one to endure and transcend circumstances. You have reconciling broken relationships and then guiding, helping one to make wise decisions. And so that's exactly all about the soul. It's such an interesting subject. And can I ask if you would please pray for that? We need prayer on this subject here. And I'm sure that you were probably in deep prayer and, and putting this together and God laying this book on your heart. Uh, would you pray for the church and pray for uh, your hope? for Christians that they would have the kind of impact that uh, mentorship, uh, discipleship has had in your life, and, and we, we just give Jesus the glory. I absolutely will. Absolutely will. And Lord, in this moment, I ask for that, um, that you will give us ears to hear and eyes to see, because uh, I am convinced of uh, your desire for us to grow together with one another, for us to be companions, um, sacred, holy companions with each other, those who are seeking to um, uh, to know our own life story as that which you are writing in our lives uh, for the sake of your world, for the sake of others, and for the sake of, uh, of ourselves as a means of bringing glory to you. Pray in the name of Jesus for the sake of the kingdom, always for the sake of the kingdom. Amen. Amen. Thank you for writing this book, Dr. Keith Anderson. He has joined us. He's the author of Reading Your Life Story, An Invitation to Spiritual Mentoring. And, uh, you know, once again, he is the president of the Seattle School of Theology and Psychology. And uh, thank you so much for being on the program. We're going to learn a lot, and I hope people go out and buy your book. Thank you, Michael. <laughs>